We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The Starlight Lounge presents An Evening with the Progressive Box. The moon, yeah. That's Hugo, tickling the ivories. He just saved by bundling home and auto with Progressive. Gonna finally buy a ring for that gal of yours, Hugo? Send her my condolences. Hi-oh! This next one's for you, too. There's a burglar in my heart. Thank you. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Discounts not available in all states or situations. This is the Gator Nation Football Podcast. With your hosts, Alan Williams and James DiVirgilio. This place is an insane asylum in the swamp! Oh my! Now we know we're just a bunch of average stiffs. Welcome to the Gator Nation Football Podcast, a post-Hurricane Irma edition. I'm your host, James DiVirgilio, alongside Alan Williams. Alan, you were in Russia. There was no hurricane for you. There was definitely a hurricane for me. Uh, how how was the weekend watching the hurricane from afar? I was kind of crazy. I mean, I was definitely concerned for everybody back home. A lot of friends and family there in the state. But James, you're alive. You made it. I made it. I made it. I was here in Gainesville. I rode out the storm. I never actually lost power. Uh, so that was a good thing. Most of my block was... Pros, when the job demands more of the supplies you use most, start with Lowe's. Because at Lowe's, we stock the right quantities you need for any size job and at everyday savings, like up to 30% off drywall, drywall accessories, and insulation every day when you buy in bulk. Order at Lowe'sForPros.com and we'll have your order ready for pickup with dedicated pro loaders to get you loaded up and back to the job site faster. For your next job and the next, do it right for less. Start with Lowe's was just fine. Drove around Gainesville today. Today's Monday, depending on when you listen to this show. Uh, Monday, as soon as the wind stopped, we drove around town for a while. And all in all, Gainesville seems to be in a pretty healthy state. There's some localized flooding. There are some trees down. But as far as things go, I think Gainesville in and of itself uh, handled the storm quite, quite well, which certainly is going to impact this weekend's game against Tennessee. And before we talk about how missing the Northern Colorado game impacted us, Alan, let's just talk about what we know about this weekend's game. Right now, the SEC office is working with both schools to determine when the game will be played, if it's going to remain at 3.30. Uh, I think as far as Gainesville is concerned, the game could absolutely remain here in Gainesville. 
Uh, I suppose the only question mark is what happens with the rest of the state and how do they feel about the state of Jacksonville and Orlando and Tampa and people traveling around. But as far as Gainesville is concerned, uh, I think it would be entirely fine to host a football game here. I think the city will be more or less up and running business as usual for the most part by the weekend. Uh, But Alan, the question that I want to ask is how does missing the Northern Colorado game impact the team coming into this Tennessee game wherever it's played? After that showing against Michigan, and we talked last week, this team could have really used a game to work out some of the kinks, especially offensively. I mean, they they didn't show much in that game in terms of like how they want to look the rest of the season. They needed more reps. I mean, we talked about Felipe Franks maybe playing almost the entire game against a team like Northern Colorado because he needed the practice, he needed the game reps. The offensive line needed steps together, obviously. Um, and so I, I think this is, you know, it's definitely detrimental to the team. I mean, the upside is that there are no injuries this week. Uh, guys got to rest, get healthy. Um, so that's a plus. But overall, I, I think this is a, a missed opportunity for this team. Unfortunately, the weather, again, takes away a game from the UF schedule. So uh I don't know. Mixed feelings about it. Obviously, you don't want to play a game that puts people in danger or diverts, you know, necessary resources. But I, I, in my opinion, this is a, a net negative for the team. What about you? Definitely a net negative. It hurt to lose this game. Uh, we needed to go back on the field against a live opponent, even if it's an overmatched one like Northern Colorado. And we needed to get reps. The offense needed to get reps. Uh, This was a big loss for our football team. Our defense is young. You've got 10 new guys out there. They lost out on reps. You lost out on adding film to further improve. Most football teams improve the most between week one and week two. Uh, So this was a a big loss. Add to the emotional stress that these guys have. A lot of these guys are from South Florida. Uh, You're sort of watching the hurricane the entire week. The whole state's on hold. You just lose a lot of growth uh, in the game of football in and of itself, which certainly pales compared to a hurricane or anything else that's going on. But you know there are consequences to these actions, and, and the consequence for us is to miss a game, is to miss a lot of reps coming off a, a good opponent. And that's a lot of times when you make the most improvement, is when you get exposed by an opponent, you see that on film, and then you get to go out and correct it against a new live opponent. So uh, that hurts us. Tennessee had the opportunity to play their game over the weekend and they got a chance coming off a Georgia tech win to, to do that and, and further benefit themselves. And we did not. So I think it does impact this weekend's tilt. Uh, I think it will be interesting to see how we handle playing essentially two very difficult games in a row, which is something this program has not done in the modern era. Okay, James, a lot of the buzz around the show last week was just how strong you came on when talking about the play calling and the coaches specifically are, Offensive coordinator Doug Nussmeyer. As you've gotten a little distance from that game, do you still feel the same way? Do you still feel as sharply as you did last week when we recorded? I feel just as sharply, if not maybe even a bit more sharply. I spent the rest of that week reading articles and kind of seeing what the the narrative looked like for other publications, for other analysts. And it seemed like there was some groundswell that built where there are there are plenty of informed people who are hanging this on Nussmeyer, uh, much like I am. And, and McIlwain as well, not absolving him of responsibility, but on the coaching in general with regards to play calling. And the other half seems to be pretty strongly against the offensive line, uh, which is not a narrative, of course, I subscribe to. So I wanted to sort of take this moment as an opportunity to discuss 
play calling in general. It's something that I've talked about a lot on this very podcast. In fact, I talked about it last season after we collapsed against Tennessee. Uh, So we will dive into it quite a bit on this episode. But I want to talk about it at a broad level. So what makes a good play caller? What am I saying when I'm talking about the fact that I don't think Nussmeier understands how to call plays? Well, very simply in football, and it's likened a lot to like a chess match, but let's just even make it a more simple game like tic-tac-toe. If you put an X on the board in tic-tac-toe and your opponent puts an O on the board, uh, there's an optimal place for you to then place your next X. In fact, tic-tac-toe is a game that if you go first, uh, you can never lose You can only tie if your opponent, aside from you, is playing optimal. So if you didn't know that, congratulations, you learned some tic-tac-toe strategy. But that dictates there's certain moves you should always make. And those moves are dependent upon what the person who is playing second does. Well, play calling in football is not all that different from tic-tac-toe. It's more complicated, but it's very simple. Uh, Essentially, the offensive coordinator decides what formation he wants, what play he wants to call, and then he's going to look at the defense and how they are aligned, what kind of personnel they have, what kind of play they're probably calling. And then you make your decision. Do I stick with this play or do I change this play? Very good play callers have a knack for understanding what the defensive coordinator is going to call and then putting their offense in a situation to succeed against that defensive front. Uh, Nussmeier continually does the opposite of this. The defense will tip their hand, will telegraph exactly what they are doing. Hey, we're going to load up to stop you running the ball. We're going to bring extra defenders inside the box. So they're going to be within seven yards of the line of scrimmage. And we're going to tell you we're not going to let you run. And then Nussmeier, in all of his infinite wisdom, simply runs the ball on most occasions. And to add injury uh, to insult or insult to injury, he he does similar predictable things on certain downs. So we run the ball quite frequently on second down, especially second and long. Our favorite thing is to run some sort of zone read or, or shotgun draw um, on those second and 10 plays. And so you know teams get a good idea for our tendencies. So we're easy to predict. Uh, we do not typically do what the defense is giving us. We sort of do whatever we want. And these things don't work very well. So on top of that, if you factor in the concept of game theory, which is understanding what your opponent is doing and staying one step ahead of them, uh, we're woefully inadequate there because that that's not even a level that Doug Nussmeyer thinks on. In fact, rarely ever do we see play calls that are factoring that in. We sort of just run whatever play we want. And that is is massively detrimental, not only to the offensive line, but also to our offense's ability to score points. And so therefore... I remain just as adamant that Doug Nussmeyer is a major problem with this team, and that it's very possible McIlwain is as well. Uh, McIlwain's track record as a quarterback guy and, 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 and an offensive coordinator uh, is, is not necessarily dissimilar from Nussmeyer, where Nussmeyer's always been surrounded with excellent programs and really excellent coaches, uh, and McIlwain has as well. It's, at this point in time, I just know that our offensive coordinating is really bad. And I've been on this podcast multiple times post-game, and I've addressed that. And I've said, this is why we're losing. It's not the players. It's the coaching. And that is not a narrative that's going to change. I didn't snap judge that. I didn't make that just based upon the Michigan game. That's based on watching uh, all of the games that these guys have coached together now, which is a pretty large sample size. And so I feel the same way. I don't see that changing unless Nussmeyer all of a sudden becomes an expert in game theory and play calling, which is very, very unlikely given the nature of football coaches. So it's very likely that you're going to hear me on this podcast, continue to analyze games and bring this up. I hope that's not the case, uh, but the reason that I think you're going to hear it is because we're not going to fire Doug Nussmeyer. And as long as Doug Nussmeyer is here, I think you're going to continue to see more of the same. And, and hopefully 
this sort of brief background explanation on play calling gives you some sort of idea of, of the problems that we have. And as we get into the Tennessee game specifically on the second half of this show, we'll talk tactically about some play calls that would work based upon what Tennessee does and what could be done this week to improve our play calling. So we'll actually give you some actionable information on the topic of play calling. But for right now, the narrative for me is Doug Nussmeyer's a problem. I feel exactly how I felt last week. And in fact, I'm sad that I have to go into another big football game with him as my office of coordinator. We hope you've enjoyed this free preview of the Gator Nation football podcast. To listen to the rest of this episode, which includes an hour and 10 more minutes of content, head over to patreon.com slash Gator Nation football podcast. Links to that page are posted on both our Twitter and Facebook account. Once on our Patreon page, you'll be able to sign up for $2 a month to get exclusive access to all of our content. Once you subscribe on Patreon, you're able to enjoy this podcast whenever you want, wherever you want, via your favorite podcasting app, whether you're on iOS, your computer, or Android. For more detailed information about the Gator Nation football podcast and Patreon, check out episode zero. If you have questions, comments, or feedback, as always, please reach out to us on either our Facebook or Twitter page. You can go to Facebook, Gator Nation Football Podcast, or on Twitter at Gator Nation FB Podcast. Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.